0: Let's say good morning to Scott Reed. It's time for the morning brief. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, John. And you're exactly right. I just get up even earlier. I chase the milkman down the street. I, uh, you know, watch uh, the sun slowly uh, peek out, but I don't get any more sleep.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I would love to have, but the dog was always going to get up at the old six thirty, so it didn't matter. So. Uh, What's your read on rallies around the world, but here in Toronto? I know we sent you, for example, Rosie D'Amano's column, where she's sort of trying to distill the Jew hatred out of what might be a legitimate peace rally.
1: Well, you know, of course it's legitimate for people to rally in in favor of Palestine. Uh, The the point that Rosie makes, and I think many others have made, though, is that um, woven throughout those protests, is, you know, flag-waving of the Hamas flag, uh, celebration and glorification of murder, torture, terrorism. And it just shouldn't be allowed. It, I mean, there are laws against it. And, you know, this is a really difficult uh, place because you do want to respect... I, I'm I'm a very strong supporter of Israel's right to defend itself and its right to exist. Um, but I recognize that the line. I guess I should say, and I recognize the line between free speech and hate speech can be blurry sometimes to some, but it really isn't blurry. It really isn't. Um, it's codified. And, you know, if you're going to celebrate and glorify uh, the murder of innocent people, then uh, then that's hate speech. If you're going to be anti-Semitic, then that's hate speech. And I think that it's it's riven throughout uh, many of these protests, and sometimes it motivates these protests. And I think that it undermines uh, the broader project of creating Constructive dialogue, which is needed now more than ever, to use that fisted cliche. So, you know, I'm 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 really troubled by it, and I think that city leaders and the TPS, I think the folks have to intervene. Um, You talk to members of the Jewish community; they are feeling raw, they are feeling scared, and um, and they have been targeted. And so, I just think that we have to be really, really hard.
0: Let me ask you a question actually. I know this uh, on a time like this and since yeah. where
1: the line is, don't cross it. Yeah. Let, yeah.
0: I wanted to ask you a question because and, and it wasn't in our email exchange this morning, but I don't think you need to think about this too hard. I was invited to the Israeli consulate today to look at video that has been shown to some in Israel and elsewhere, which is effectively all of the surveillance video and amateur video that was captured on October 7th, the day that Hamas ran into Israel and murdered 1400 people I already had something this morning but I think I would have declined to watch that video anyway but would you watch it
1: I was invited I am going and it's uh, it was a uh, something I needed to think about Um I mean, I know that at one level that's propaganda. I know that that's a deliberate effort, uh, it, you know, to spread images that are going to be shocking and horrifying in order to solidify and, motiva- and motivate support for the state of Israel. Um, and I know that you could find images that are going to be equally horrifying or, well, maybe not equally horrifying. I don't want to engage in false equivalents. But you can, you're can you going to find horrifying images um, of what's happening in Gaza. and. But, you know, I I decided that just because I'm uncomfortable with those images, just because I worry about the imprint they may make on my mind, that's not a good enough reason to not go. And I'm rational enough to recognize that there is deliberateness behind this. But that doesn't mean that it didn't occur. That doesn't mean those images aren't real. And that doesn't mean that I ought not to go and consume that information and weigh it. So I'm going to go, and uh, and I'm sure I'm going to be deeply affected.
0: I'd be interested to to hear your impressions. Perhaps we can talk a little later on today. Um, New survey establishes that perhaps Canadians are going to be holding their wallets and purses tight for Christmas. I'm always a bit dubious about this kind of analysis because I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to spend. I don't even know what I'm buying yet.
1: Yeah, me too, but it does track. It makes sense that people are going to be a little um, a little bit more conservative with and out their coins. Um, I suspect that that will be true for me. And um, and I know I'm going to sound like a macroeconomic knob. That's okay. But to a degree, it's good. To, you know, I mean, we don't want interest rates to go any higher um, because interest rates Higher interest rates are a blunt instrument, right? They are a, uh, a cruise missile on the economy, and we don't want that. So if we see something of a slowdown in consumer spending. It's a little less red hot. Um, That leaves the Bank of Canada saying, all right, our efforts to slow the economy, to take this plane and land it on that tiny strip of a soft landing is working and therefore we don't need to hike rates. So a softer, not crashed Christmas is in many ways a very, very good thing.
0: Meanwhile, we're going to be talking with our friend Jim Stanford, the economist, about this story a little later on this morning. But it appears that all of this business of uh, companies claiming that it's their inputs that have driven them to raise prices, that has driven inflation. Apparently, companies have been much more willing to merely jack their prices, and we've been suckers, we've paid them.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think this is a fascinating phenomenon, whereas in the past, companies were reluctant to pass on input costs and, you know, the consequences of inflation to consumers for fear they'd lose consumers. Now they're less concerned about it. How come? I, I wonder, and I'd be curious if you asked Jim this, if one of the reasons is political cynicism, and that people now are quicker and more emphatically likely to blame government. Oh, it's the fault of government. And then that provides something of a veil uh, for corporations to hide behind. Well, we're not going to catch the grief. Consumers will shrug their shoulders and say, well, it's the government's darn fault anyhow. And so is some of that uh, happening? I think the other thing is that it may be slower this time, but ultimately it is self-correcting. Ultimately, the laws of economics kick in. And I do think you'll see it taper off as people become more price sensitive and say, well, the hell with it, then I'm shopping elsewhere. And then those organizations will find a way to lower their uh, prices, um, or at least not jack them as rapidly and as thoroughly.
0: Another friend of ours, Andrew Coyne, writing a column in the uh, Globe and Mail over the weekend. And I... Would dispute his very premise to be perfectly honest, but he says the country's falling apart. Why isn't the federal government doing anything? I I think the country falling apart is a very popular narrative. If you're trying to end Justin Trudeau's administration, I don't know necessarily that the country's falling apart.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit of headline writing on the piece. I think it's an important column. I think that people who are smart and who are thinking about where are we and where are we headed ought to read the column. I'm, I, I often will disagree with Andrew, but I'm always provoked by him and he's a great writer and a smart guy. And, I think what he's really saying is, look, our, our institutions are under corrosive and constant attack. And, you know, in particular, some of the east-west sinews that used to bind us together as a country uh, seem to be getting sawn at, particularly in some cases by premiers themselves. And the federal government, the idea of a national spirit, and that there's, you know, this idea of Canada that unites us, and therefore there are boundaries that you don't cross and places you don't go. Um, over partisan and political disputes or federal and provincial disputes. that That's that's eroding. And that the federal government isn't being emphatic enough. And I think he's right. But the truth is, I think it takes a popular federal leader to lead the way on that. I don't think you can do it when you're unpopular. And that's not a bang against Trudeau. People know I'm a liberal. I will vote for Justin Trudeau if he runs again. For sure I will. And I will definitely support him and the liberals against the alternative of Pierre Polyev, who I think contributes to the corrosion of institutions. But it's harder and harder and harder to get people on board for salvaging those institutions and preserving and promoting those institutions when people see the federal government as something they're angry with.
0: One last story, and that would be the usual Halloween bugaboo about the idea of tainted candy. And apparently they found a nail in a chocolate bar collected on Halloween. I'm always dubious of these stories. I have to say because I just it it doesn't make a great deal of sense. It's pretty easy to figure out who planted a nail if somebody genuinely did.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm so glad you said that because I thought I might sound like a um schoolmarm if I raised the same point, but I looked at I was kind of flabbergasted when you guys sent me the story this morning. I hadn't seen it, and I'm thinking to myself, isn't this isn't this an old wives' tale? Isn't this an urban myth? Like this doesn't really happen. It's just stuff my mom said to me when she didn't want me to have that candy apples that it could have been laced with laser, razor blades, right? Like that's not real. So if it is real, it's horrifying. And as you say, I would think since even in the story there able to say, well, it was probably picked up between, you know, this block and that block, you'd be able to isolate right away where it's coming from. But I, I, my God, this really happens. I thought it was a myth.
0: Yeah. Well, and largely it has been. So I guess an investigation may track down the the offender or the fraud artist, but thanks a lot. Good to have you. Have a great day, sir. Scott Reed on the morning brief.